0: For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning, those of you that are joining us online. Uh, As we get started this morning, and we're going to continue on in a series that we started a few weeks ago, uh, we wanted to just take a few minutes, and and you can kind of join us if you're watching online. And obviously, and and Luke even mentioned it in his prayer, there's a lot going on uh, in our world right now. And specifically over this last few days, uh, we've all been watching uh, the news and the different TV shows that have been uh, putting a lot of focus on the Ukraine and what's going on in there. And so we wanted just to take a a minute before we even get started into our uh, message today and just pray for the people in Ukraine and just really for the situation And so if you just bow your heads, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, and uh, this is something that we do, we we pray and we ask God to intervene, and we believe God can intervene, and we live lives that are dependent on God. And one of the ways we talk to God and communicate with God and hear from God is by praying. And so we just wanted to take a minute and uh, pray right now, specifically for the people in the Ukraine that are seeking to get out of the country, that God would provide them with safe passage to the places that they're trying to get to. Uh, We want to pray for wisdom for the people that are the government and military leaders and different people involved that are making decisions. And then we also want to pray that God would use this situation. We believe that, that this did not catch God by surprise. And that He has a purpose for this. And that in the midst of darkness and in the midst of questions, that there is a light in the middle of it. And so we just want to ask that God would use that light to do His redemptive work, even in a situation like this. And so if you'd bow your heads with me, and you can pray just to yourself, and I'll pray out loud. Lord, I come before You this morning, and Lord, we sit here in our safety Uh, here in California, Lord, in the United States. And it's hard for us to even imagine what it must be like to be going through some of the things that people in the Ukraine and even in other parts of the world are going through. And Lord, this morning we want to pray specifically for those who are in the Ukraine that are trying to go other places. They're trying to get their families and loved ones into places that are safe, God. We pray that you would provide them safe passage into those places. And Lord, we pray that you would provide welcoming arms for them in the places that they're going. Lord, we pray for the the leaders of the country there and, and the leaders that are involved in this. Lord, on both sides, God, we pray that you would be at work in their hearts and in their minds. And Lord, that we know that you in your word say that you literally turn the hearts of kings. And so God, we're asking that you would work in this situation and that you would bring peace in the midst of what's going on. And Lord, we believe that the gospel, the same gospel that has affected so many of us is alive and well in the ukraine god and so god we pray that in the midst of all that's going on that the light of jesus and the message of redemption would shine and lord that you would use people in that country to love the way you would love and to share the message of hope the way you would do that lord because you came so we would have hope in the midst of darkness and so god we're asking that you would intervene In Jesus' name, amen. So, I might drink a little bit more today because last week I got to uh, sit in the corner of my room for about 10 days. It was really, really fun. Uh, I I woke up about uh, almost two weeks ago and I was like, man, I, I got a little sore throat. I wonder what's going on here. And something that you've all experienced, a lot of you. And I thought, Nah, I was just, I just talked too much yesterday, so I must just, you know, I just got to shut up a little bit more, and so I'm like, oh, but Lori, you know, since I do hang out with people a lot, I probably should go get a COVID test, and I did, and about five minutes into it, and we're like, oh man, it's only one line there, we're good, and then like, as soon as we said that, here comes this other faint line, I'm like, these dumb tests don't work, but bottom line, uh, we I got COVID, and so that's why I wasn't here last week, and so, but I am glad to be back, and, and I hope that you are, whether you're, you're new to City Walk or whether you've been coming for a long time, man, I hope that you have enjoyed the service so far, and we're thankful that you're here. <clears throat> Just to tell you a little bit about me, growing up, I grew up in a, in a house full of three boys. And about this time of year, and you, some of you have experienced this, and some of you are experiencing it right now, about this time of year, every single one of us would sign up for baseball. It was that time of year where Little League would start, (laughs) and so basically for the next two or three months, my family lived at the baseball field because we had three different boys, and they were in three different age groups, and so we basically lived at the baseball field, and I think I have a picture of of one of my baseball teams, (laughs) so you can see me here. Obviously, I was trying to win a contest of who could pull their pants up the the farthest, I don't know if there was a prize for that, but if there was, I, I look to be trying to get it, <coughs> but uh, but we were involved in baseball, and so you know this if you're involved in sports. Uh, as a little kid, when you, you play on a baseball team, you decide, you know what, early on you find out, early in the season, you figure out, man, who are the good teams in our league? Who's the fastest pitcher in our league? And you start to kind of prepare for that game, and when the... <coughs> When you're getting ready for those games that are like the tough games, you, get, you, you really focus and you, you listen to your coaches that week. and, and, and you, Because man, when the tough teams, when you're playing the tough teams or you're playing the, the fastest pitcher in the league, you know, man, we gotta be good. And, and so it's not hard for your coach to get you to focus. And, and then when you win those games, if you happen to win those games, man, you celebrate a lot. But then you also know this, there's also some teams that are in your league that are kind of the cake teams. And, and you get those too. You figure out who are the really good teams at the beginning of the year. But then you figure out <clears throat> kind of who are the, the teams that are a little easier. And it's those weeks that, man, coaches hate because it's harder to get the kids to focus. Because it's like, oh, man, this team's going to be real easy. We're not going to have to, it's not going to be tough to, to win this game. And so, man, maybe you mess around a little bit more in practice. And there's nothing worse, probably nothing more frustrating. For a coach, then when his team does really well against the tough teams and wins those games, but then faces the team that, man, you should beat and ends up losing. And, and, and this happens all throughout sports. In fact, Mike Tyson, he found this out a few years back when he faced a guy by the name of Buster Douglas. He was a 42 to one. The odds were 42 to one. And, and Mike Tyson, he realized, man, that even on his his day that he he should have won, man, this guy was somebody he should have easily beat. Man, he wasn't prepared for this guy. And and when when this happens in sports, it's frustrating. When when you lose to a team or an opponent that you should beat, it's frustrating, and there's some consequences. <clears throat> but when this happens in life, it's a lot worse. And here's what I mean by this, and, and you've experienced this. When someone that you love compromises maybe in some small ways that they think aren't really that big of a deal, and you end up feeling the consequences of it, you've been there. You've felt that. When, when your dad thought that it was just okay to just a little bit of flirting with the secretary, and it wasn't that big of a deal, but then it ends up blowing up your family... Man, you felt those consequences. When when that person that you love is addicted to something, and man, you, you hurt for them, and you want to see them change, and it all started with just a little bit of lack of focus and a little bit of compromise... You felt that, you, you felt the pain of wanting somebody to change and, and seeing something in their life that has, is dominating their life that just started with a little bit of a lack of focus. Just like when you were in sports, that, that, that week where you just didn't put in the time you should have had and, and your opponent wasn't gonna be that tough and so you, you didn't focus as hard as you could have and because of that you end up losing, well now you're watching that happen in life and it's tough. It's that relationship where, man, your relationship is, is hurtful and, and there's a relationship where you've had, had a lot of tough times and it all started with just that one little lie or that little bit of gossip. And every single one of us, maybe as a kid you experienced it in sports and, and you, you lost to a team you should have beat, but all of us have experienced this in life too. We've experienced how small compromises and little bits of lack of focus can change the game and can really hurt us. And, and we've, we've all learned the hard way that small compromises lead to big consequences. Small compromises lead to big consequences. Yeah, that, that happens in sports and that happens in a lot of areas, but it happens in life. And we've experienced that. And there's probably not a better example or illustration of how small compromises can lead to big consequences than we find in the book of Joshua. We find in the book of Joshua chapter 7 when we talk about a guy by the name of Achan. And if you're not familiar with Joshua, Joshua was a guy that was born into slavery. He was born into slavery in the nation of Israel. And and when he was born, he had been in slavery all his life. His grandpa had been in slavery all his life. His great-grandpa had been in slavery. And so he was born into slavery. But then this guy by the name of Moses came and, and rescued his nation and delivered his nation from slavery. And and Moses' goal was to help this nation that had been in slavery go to a promised land. And so he delivered them from Egypt and on the way to the promised land, a journey that should have taken 11 days because of the sin of this nation, took over 40 years, Took 40 years of wandering. And Joshua became Moses's assistant. And after Moses died, after this 40 years of wandering, now it was Joshua's job to take these people that he was a part of and move them into the promised land. And so the very first kind of big task was he had to take them over the Jordan River. And then after he got over the Jordan River and through the Jordan River, they had to fight and, and conquer a city called Jericho. And so that's where we find Joshua. We find Joshua, he's just taken the nation of Israel through the Jordan River. Man, he has defeated Jericho. And man, everything's going well. They're finally in the promised land. Things are great. And in fact it says this in Joshua chapter 6, 27, and bottom line, they just beat the toughest team in the league. He just hit a home run against the fastest pitcher in the league. Life is good. And it says this in Joshua chapter 6, verse 27, it says, and the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout the land. I mean, Joshua, all he's doing is winning now. He's, man, God has got the people through the Jordan River. They have defeated Jericho. Life is good. Man, the team is in first place. It's good. But in the midst of all that's going well, there's something that has taken place. A seemingly small compromise that has the potential to destroy everything. And we see this take place in the very next phrase. We go from Joshua chapter 6 where, man, everything looks great and the team is winning and, man, life is good to the beginning of Joshua chapter 7 and it says this. The Israelites, however, were unfaithful regarding the things set apart for destruction. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah took some of what was set apart and the Lord's anger burned against the Israelites. See, before the people had gone into Jericho, before, I mean, that was the first assignment in this new land that Joshua was taking them to. What God said to them is, hey, when you go into Jericho, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to, I'm going to help you take this land. But when you go in there, I want you to destroy everything. And if you don't destroy everything, if you end up keeping something, the things that you keep need to go into the treasury of the Lord. And so don't be keeping anything for yourself. Either destroy it or put it into the treasury of the Lord. Pretty, pretty, like, not a lot of like compromise there. Pretty clear instructions. But there was one man out of the two million plus people, one man named Achan. That made a small compromise one man named Achan out of the two million people did not obey and as a result impacted the entire nation look what happened next it says this in verse 2 Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai which is near Beth Haven east of Bethel and told them go up and scout the land so the men went up and scouted Ai so Joshua, he's, they, they've just man, defeated like the toughest team in the league, the fastest pitcher in the league. They just smoked them. So now they're, they're into the promised land, and, and there's another. Man, there's, there's the, 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 the easy, the cake team named Ai. They're, they're the next opponent. They're the next area that they're supposed to go conquer, part of the promised land that God was giving them. And so Joshua says, you know what? Even though they're probably you know, a pretty easy team, let's go ahead and send a few spies to just check them out, find out some scouts to find out what's going on. And so that's what he does. He, he sends some spies to just kind of check out the team, find out how they are. And it says this, after the, the spies went, it says, after returning to Joshua, they reported to him, man, don't send all the people. But send about 2,000, maybe 3,000 men to attack AI. Since the people of AI are so few, man, don't wear out all your people. Basically, he's saying, dude, send the freshman team. Don't, you don't even got to waste the JV team on this one. Just, just send the freshman team. I mean, this is a, this is a, a city of about 12,000 people. I mean, Israel had hundreds of thousands of people in their army. Like, don't even waste your time, dude. Just send a few thousand people. This is going to be easy work. You don't need to wear out many people. Don't worry many people. This is going to be easy. Just send a few people. and I mean, it it should be easy. So Joshua says this in verse 4. So about 3,000 men went up there, but they fled from the men of Ai the men of Ai struck down about 36 of them and chased them from outside the city gate to the quarry, striking them down on the descent. As a result, the people lost heart. So, Joshua does exactly what, it, what they tell him. Man, he sends 3,000 people. Man, this is going to be light work. And it says when they got there that man, it, it turned. It changed. It wasn't what they expected. And in fact, 36 Men were killed out of their army and and not only did they not defeat ai they actually had to run from this nation and it says that they were discouraged they lost heart see not only was this not an easy win they there were 36 families that lost a brother or a dad this didn't go well and it says that this defeat was both a defeat physically because they lost people, but it was also a defeat emotionally. I mean, their hearts melted, they lost courage. Like, what in the world is going on? It says this. I mean, Joshua was beside himself. Verse 6: then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until the evening, as did the elders of Israel. They all put dust on their heads. I mean, the leaders of the nation were like, man, man, what is going on? They, they were at a loss. They mourned. What, what just happened? And it says this in verse 7. Oh, Lord God, this is Joshua talking. Joshua said, why did you ever bring these people across the Jordan to hand us over to the Amorites for our destruction? If only we had been content to remain on the other side of the Jordan... I mean, basically what Joshua was saying is, if we were going to get our tails kicked by these people, why would you even bring us here? God, why didn't you just leave us on the other side of the Jordan? Why did you even bring us into the promised land if all we were going to do is get beat by this little nation? God, your name is on the line. What is going on? And, and, and he was at a loss. Why would you let this happen? Have you ever been there? You you, you feel like God you, you just pulled the carpet out from under me. You ever been there where you're like, man, I I did what I thought you wanted me to do, God. I followed the plan. I was faithful. I did what you put in front of me and it's like you pulled the carpet out from under me. Why would you let this happen? And when we feel that way, just like Joshua felt that way, when we feel that way, there's always more to the story. There's always part of the picture that we can't see. And so what God does for Joshua is he fills in the gaps for him in the next phrase. Joshua's like, God, why would you do this? What is going on? And God's like, there's more to the story, buddy. And so it says this in verse 10, it says, the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. Why have you fallen face down? Basically, Joshua, get up and quit whining and quit putting this on me. See, Joshua, you you remember a few weeks ago? Remember a few weeks ago when I told you to be strong and courageous? Remember when I told you that I was going to be with you and I was going to give you this land? Joshua, remember when I told you that you were going to have to listen to my word? You were going to have to meditate on my word. You were going to have to obey my word exactly the way I told you. Remember that? I wasn't just saying that because I didn't have anything else to say, Joshua. My way is best for you. And I was trying to tell you, you guys have to do it my way. And if you do, things will work out. There's blessing but that's not what you guys did. And and God says this, he says, Israel has sinned. Joshua, Israel has not done it the way I told them to. They've compromised. He says, they have violated my covenant that I appointed for them. They have taken some of what was set apart. They have stolen, deceived and put those things with their own belongings. Hold up. Israel has sinned. I, I thought it was just one dude. Like, like why, are we, why are we putting it all on Israel when, man, wasn't it just one guy? Out of a nation of a couple million people, wasn't it just one guy that sinned? Why is God saying Israel has sinned? Why is he talking about they? And, and, and here's why. I, Probably good I actually have this extra water today, but it's actually for an illustration. But, but if you were to come over to my house, and some of you have been over to my house, some of you ladies will be over at my house in a week for the table, the new thing that we're doing there for our ladies' gathering. But, but if you were to come over to my house today, if I was a polite person, pretty early on in your visit, I would say something like, hey, can I get you a glass of water? Can I get you a ginger ale? Can I, what do you want? What can I get you to drink? And if you were like, "Hey man, could you just man, I just want some water." Yeah, sure, I can get you a glass of water and I brought you this glass of water. And I said, "You're going to love this water. I mean, this water is 99% crystal clear. Like you've never had better water than this. This stuff is great. Clean, it's great." But but 1% of it we just like to put 1% of our we just like to put a little poison in all of our water. And so we've taken 99% of this perfect, clean, crystal clear, I mean, the greatest water you've ever tasted. But just to be up front, I did put 1% of it, I put some poison in there. But, but as long as you don't bother with that 1%, just drink the other 99%, you're good. You're like, a, you're an idiot, Chris. I'm calling the police on you. Why would you do that? Because you, you know this as well as I do. When 1% of, uh, uh, of that glass being poisoned means that whole glass is poisoned. And, and that's how sin works too. Sin never just affects one person. Sin never just, oh, it's just my little sin. It's just Aiken's little sin. No, sin poisons families. Sin poisons nations. Sin poisons, man, a lot of different things. Even when, man, oh, I, didn't, I wasn't involved in that, but I feel the effects of it or you feel the effects of my sin because sin is a poison. And, and it doesn't say, well, oh, this is just my little section to poison. No, it poisons the whole thing. It poisons the whole family the whole workplace, just like this water, because small compromises lead to big consequences. Those small things, oh, this is just my little thing. Man, there's huge consequences. And that's what happened in the nation of Israel. And God goes on as he's talking to Joshua, he says, this is why the Israelites can't stand against their enemies that that sin that, that small compromise you know why you guys were running you know why there's 36 families without a dad or a brother today it's because of the small compromise joshua that's now led to big consequences see and, and god tells him he's just right up front with joshua he says they will turn their backs and run from their enemies because they have been set apart for destruction i will no longer be with you unless you're from among you what is set apart. Joshua, you think this one's bad? It ain't getting any better. If you don't take care of the sin that's in the nation, you're on your own going forward. And Joshua, I, I want to give you this land. I, I want to bless you. I want to bless this nation. I have so much good for this nation. But if you're going to do it your own way, and you're not going to deal with what you think is maybe a small compromise, if you're going to just leave it as is, you are on your own. And I can, I'll tell you this up front, God says, it's not going to go well for you. So you choose. If you want my blessing, you got to do it my way. If you don't, you don't have to. You can do it your way. You can allow compromise. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you up front, that won't end well. It's not going to end well. And so Joshua, you got to make a decision. That night, I doubt Joshua did a lot of sleeping because it says the very next morning, it says this, Joshua, he got up early the next morning. He had Israel come forward tribe by tribe and the tribe of Judah was selected. Basically what Joshua did, he, he made his decision. Like we are not going without God. We're going to do things God's way. We're going to figure out why, where this sin is. We're going to take care of it. And so what he does is he, he gets the whole, I mean, I don't even, I can't even imagine what this must have looked like, man. He gets the whole nation together. I mean, they didn't have no microphones. I don't, I don't even know how it all worked, but they, he gets the nation together. And basically, through a process of elimination, God leads Joshua to Achan out of all the people in the nation. And it says this in verse 19, after God has kind of eliminated and made clear where the sin and who has committed the sin, it says this, so Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel. And make a confession to him. I urge you to tell me what you have done. Don't hide anything from me. Basically, Achan, we know you've sinned, dude. Just come clean. And so Achan, he replied, it's true. I have. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I did. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful cloak from Babylon, five pounds of silver and a bar of gold weighing a pound and a quarter, I coveted them. And took them. You can see for yourself. He says, they are concealed in the ground inside my tent with the silver under the cloak. So Achan, to his credit, he he comes clean. And he, and he, he basically what he does is he describes the pattern of sin. The same pattern of sin we follow when we make small compromises. It started with he saw something. He saw it, or he heard it. This it happens to us. It's the same. This is the same thing that happened to Eve in the very first few chapters of the Bible. We, we see something, we hear something, and, and then what happens is we want what we see or hear more than we want what God wants. And so it, and that, this is what happens. Man, he, he saw it, he, he started to covet or want it. And then it says he, he, he took it. So same thing we do. We see, we begin to want something or crave something more than we want God's way. And then we take it. And, and, and most of the time what we think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's a small thing. But not, not going to make a big difference. Only affects me. And God would say, man, this is is not the the way it should be. And, And you should, all throughout history, you've seen this play out. And it never ends up being just you. It never ends up just affecting you. And so after Achan, he said, man, I saw, I wanted, I took. And in fact, Joshua, you can go look. Go look in my tent. I got that stuff hidden. So Joshua, he kind of verifies it. It says, Joshua sent messengers who ran to the tent And there it was. There was the cloak concealed in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from inside the tent. They brought them to Joshua and the Israelites and spread them out in the Lord's presence. Basically, went to the tent, found it exactly the way Achan said. They bring it back to Joshua. And and man, they just kind of put it out in front. Hey, here's all the stuff, Joshua. And then probably what is maybe one of the saddest few verses... In all of scripture, is the next few verses. It says this Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan son of Zerah, took the silver, the cloak, the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, his ox, his donkey, his sheep, his tent, basically everything he owned. And all that he had, and he brought them to the valley of Acre. And it says this, Joshua said, why have you brought us trouble? Today the Lord will bring you trouble. So all Israel stoned them to death. They burned their bodies. They threw stones on them and raised over him a large pile of rocks that remain still today. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, that place is called the Valley of Acre still today. Achan had disobeyed God. He had led his family to probably help hide the sin. And as a result, the consequences were devastating. And maybe you're watching online or you're here this morning and, and you kind of push back a little bit. You're like, dude, that's a little harsh. Like, like that Old Testament God, he's a, he's a little bit harsh. I get it. I, I get it. But, but let me push back a little bit. Let me let me push back on on the inside of myself that reads that and says, man, that's a little bit harsh, God. but, but let me push back. Look, see, here, here's what I know. God hates sin. And, and what you say, what's sin? Sin is not doing things God's way. See, sin hurts people. It hurts people that God loves deeply. And sin always kills. It kills relationships. It kills marriages. It kills people. It kills futures. Sin always kills. And so before we push back at God and say, hey, that's a little bit harsh, God. God let me put it to you maybe in a different way that maybe you could lean into and understand. There, there's no one that you love if you're a parent or grandchild or grandparent more than your children or grandchildren. Nobody you love more. Nobody you wouldn't do more for. So I have a little girl named Kate. She runs around here. And and you know, Kate, she's eight years old. I have three kids, but Kate's our youngest. And just like you love your daughter, your son, your granddaughter, your grandson, your niece, your nephew, just like you love them and would do anything for them, let me ask you this. How much poison are you, are, are you good with allowing your little girl to drink? How close to a child molester do you want your little girl to play? You're like, uh, nowhere near? No, not even a drip of poison? I don't, I don't want any of it. I want, I want my, the person I love so much to stay so far away from anything that would hurt her. They're, they're, I don't want to drop a point. Well, that's a little harsh. And Here's what God's saying. God, God's saying, you know what? One of the reasons God hates sin so much is because of how much he loves you. And he doesn't want an ounce of poison near you. He doesn't want a child abuser near you at all. He doesn't want you to be hurt at all. He loves you just like he loves me. And so he takes sin seriously because he loves his kids. Just like you and I love our kids. And don't want an ounce of things near them that can hurt them. And so when we look at God and say, you're pretty harsh, God, for moving sin away from your... Kids, you love so much. It seems harsh, but you know what? If God's harsh, I'm a pretty harsh parent too. Because I don't let anything near my daughter that could hurt her, not even close. I'm overprotective. I'm over the top. She even tells me that. Like, Dad, slow down a little bit. And you're the same way. And why are we that way? Not because we're harsh. But because we love our kids so much, we love our grandkids so much. And, and, and God loves us so much. It's one of the reasons He hates sin. Because he knows that small compromises lead, lead to big consequences. As we talked about a little bit earlier, we've we've all felt, and, and you have. We've all felt the consequences of our or other people's small compromises. You, you, felt, you felt the consequences of other people in your life making small compromises. Other people have felt the consequences of you and me making small compromises. We, we all understand that. And I'm guessing like me, you, you're not really looking to screw up anybody's life like i don't want to mess my kids lives up i'm not trying to to be somebody that makes compromises in my life that my kids are in counseling for 20 years from now i don't want that and i'm sure you don't want that either we don't want to be the person that that people look back and say because of them it messed up the whole family because of them the office is a train wreck because of them the company went bankrupt no, we don't want to be that person. So if we're not going to be the person that makes small compromises for this to happen, there's a few things we got to do. And the first thing is this, we have to take sin seriously. Like when, when, when we click on a porn website, it's a big deal. When, when I yell at my kids out of anger, it's a big deal. When I cheat on my taxes, it's all such a little thing. No, it's a big deal. When I experiment just a little bit with drugs and it's not that big of a thing, it's a big deal. We we have to take sin seriously. And here's why. When I minimize sin, I minimize the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross. So so let me give you, uh, for instance, if you and I could if today we just came together and said, hey, we're going to create a cure for cancer. We have the ability in this room to do it. We're just going to do it. And by the time we leave today, cancer is going to be cured. That'd be a pretty big deal. That, there'd be some people, there'd be tons of people that would be extremely happy because of what took place in this room and because of the cure. But if cancer was basically as bad as stubbing your toe... I don't know if it, our little cure would have much press. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. The reason having a cure for cancer would be such a big deal is because of how terrible cancer is. And, and the reason that we, we don't want to minimize sin is be, and we want, to make, we want to say, hey, sin is sin is because man, when we minimize sin, we minimize the cure. Man, when I as a dad minimize my own sin and, 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 and say, oh, it's not that big of a deal, I'm basically telling my kids, Jesus isn't that big of a deal. You don't really need Jesus. Take him or leave him. When I take sin seriously in my own life, I'm also making a really big deal of Jesus and what he did. Because if sin's not that big of a deal, then why in the world would God send his own son to live a sinless life here on earth for 33 years and then die a horrible bloody death to take my sin yeah jesus shouldn't have done that it really sin's not that big of a thing no it was a pretty big deal to god and so we should make it a big deal and and that 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 shouldn't shame us like it, it shouldn't be a oh man, I I have to minimize my sin because if I don't minimize my sin, then people, other Christians are going to look down on me. You're hanging out with the wrong Christians. Because, man, when when we are are willing to say, you know what? Here's some areas of my life that I struggle. Here's some things that I know, man, if if they go far, they're going to really wreck some things in my life. When we're honest about that, then we can lean into Jesus together because Jesus is the answer to that. So we have to take sin seriously. But then the second thing is we we have to walk closely. And I kind of mentioned this. We have to walk closely with others. If we're not going to be the person, the the aching that, that makes those small compromises that we think, hey, this isn't a big deal. If I click on this, it's not that big of a deal. If I cheat here just a little bit, it's not that big of a deal. And then it ends up wrecking our family or our business or, you know, a lot of other things. If we're not going to end up being that person, we have to take sin seriously. And then number two, we have to be willing to walk closely with others. You you and I were not meant to walk alone. See, we're, we're meant to walk with other imperfect people into a growing relationship with God other imperfect people that know where you struggle and you know where they struggle other imperfect people where you're encouraging them to walk with god and they're encouraging you to walk with god we're meant to walk together that's why we make such a big deal about city groups around here because and you know this just like i do you can come sit in a row for a decade and nobody really knows you i mean you literally can come sit in a row at church every single sunday for 10 years and nobody really knows what's going on you're not really walking with anybody nobody knows where you struggle but man when you sit in a room with the same people every single week people that you know their struggles they know yours and and you are committed to walking with each other to a growing relationship with Jesus it's game-changing and it's game-changing and it, and it helps us not make those small compromises because when we start to make those small compromises, we have people in our life that catch us and say, Whoa! Don't do that. Let me help you. Let me hold you accountable. And you get to do the same thing for other people. See, on that last day of Achan's life, he woke up and it probably looked a lot like every other day. It just looked like a normal day. Then Joshua came and narrowed it down to Achan. They went to his tent, found the stuff. It wasn't that much stuff. I mean, they, they defeated a the whole country, like a whole city. There was a lot more stuff it could, that could have been stolen, but it was just a little bit of stuff. It wasn't that big a deal. At least it didn't seem like that big of a deal. But, but I'm guessing if you were to look at Achan as he is walking with his family and all the things that are important to him, to the place where he will be executed, if you were to look at him and say, hey, buddy, was it worth it? We all know what his answer would be. It wasn't worth it. It wouldn't have been worth it if it was triple or quadruple the stuff. Wouldn't have been worth it. And you you know this too, man, because some of us we've been there or we've we've had this happen to us. If you, man, you, you sit down with a dad that's just blown up his whole family because of adultery. Are you going to jail and you sit with somebody who, man, just began to make some small compromises that, man, they thought they could handle but then ended up taking them down? Or you, you sit across with somebody who's addicted to drugs and it all started with small things. If you were to look at them and say, was it worth it? Every single one of them would say, no way. And it's in that moment that it's crystal clear that small compromises lead to big consequences and so if we're not going to be those people only by God's grace we have to take sin seriously and when we take sin seriously what we're doing is we're making a really big deal of who Jesus is and what he's done and then we've got to surround ourselves with other people who will love us and sharpen us, who we can love and sharpen as well. Let's pray. As we close up this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online, and you would say, hey Chris, I'm I'm a follower of Jesus. There's been a time in my life where I started a relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe as we were talking today and you, you, you kind of have found yourself, man. If you're honest, you found yourself downplaying sin a little bit. Maybe you found yourself compromising in some areas that in your mind weren't that big of a deal. At least that's what you told yourself. But if you're honest, you'd say, yeah, I've, I found myself doing that. Just in the quietness of this room, is there, is there one area that God's brought to your mind? you're watching online, is there, is there one area that as a follower of Jesus, you would say, man, as, as I think about some, some small compromises that I'm starting to allow into my life, here's an area that God's pinpointed. What is it for you? What did God bring to your mind? And maybe the bigger question is would you in this moment, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, would you in this moment be willing to turn away from it? And part of turning away from it is agreeing with God that it's a big deal. And then link in arms with other people that will help you, that will walk with you. Maybe, maybe you'd say, you know what, it's, it's just not that big of a deal, Chris. Well, would the person, would, would you in 10 years say that to yourself? If this small compromise were to play itself out 10 years from now, what would you tell yourself in this moment? Maybe you're here and you'd say, you know what, Chris, I'm, I'm, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I've, I'm watching online, or maybe you're listening to this podcast, or you're here this morning. And, and for you, you're maybe skeptical of the whole Jesus thing. Maybe you've been burnt by the church, and so you're, you're kind of trying this thing one more time. Well, well, here's what you need to know with every head bowed and every eye closed. You need to know that God takes sin seriously. He does that because He loves you so much. He wants good for you. And so anything that's going to hurt you or not be good for you bothers Him. The Bible says He hates it. And, and, And He proved how much He loved you and how much He hates sin by sending His Son Jesus to die on the cross, pay for your sin and my sin, be put into a grave, and then he rose from the grave three days later so that you and I could walk free. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if if you're here and you would say, Chris, I want to be free. I want a relationship with Jesus. You can do that just in the quietness of where you're at. You just tell God in your heart, just tell him, God, I, I admit I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. I admit it. God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. And then just just invite. God, I want to start a relationship with you. Please come into my life and change me. If you made that decision, whether you're watching online or you're here, we'd love to know about that. If you have questions about that, And you can just tell us the decision you made by filling out the decision card in front of you. Or if you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and fill the card out. We want to help you with any questions you have. We want to help you understand the decision you made. And so we'll, we'll contact you and help you. Lord, I pray that you would be at work in this place. I pray, God, that we would not listen to the lies of the enemy and believe that small compromises don't end up with big consequences. In Jesus' name, amen.